Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring, live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. Um, so, some of you may be noticing right away, the sound is a little different. Hey, welcome to the chat room, Kim. Um, it sounds a little different. Um, I'm in a new space, so I'm able to back the microphone so I'm not right up on it. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. So if it's a little echoey, I apologize. Still trying to figure some stuff out here. But, you know, the joys of doing something new. Lady Die has just joined into the room. A welcome, welcome, welcome Lady Die. So for the last couple weeks, Donald Trump has been getting beaten up, bloodied, and absolutely massacred over he wants children to die. Because he's advocating for opening the schools. Okay, that... You know, I, I can understand where some people would have uh, you know, a little bit of issue with that. Especially if they don't know. They're not really paying attention. And Oh my god, we've had the schools closed for so long now. What do we? How can we just send them back? Well, I want to take a little trip across the pond over to Europe. Where 20 countries in Europe and around the world are already sending children back to school. Some countries, like Sweden, I know, search the memory hole for Sweden, you'll find it in there somewhere. It's one of those countries that we want to be like because Swedish socialism is what we're going for. Um, but the In Sweden, they never close the schools and they've noticed something. Children acting as vectors and getting teachers sick is practically non-existent. And when I say practically non-existent, I mean there are zero documented cases of it happening. Is that to say that's impossible? No, not at all. As we know, anything is possible. However, we just haven't seen it. It's so rare. So for a lot of school districts, like uh, my wife is a teacher. She teaches special ed. Uh, her district will be back in school here in a couple weeks. Uh, the district that our kids go to will be back in school here in a couple weeks. And they're, they're coming up with plans to mitigate uh, the risk of spreading COVID. For instance, um, they're not having all the kids who are having lunch at approximately the same time, they're spreading them out. 
um, my wife's school, there's a mezzanine area or a, a foyer area in the high school part that's big and open. So, you know, high school kids will get their lunches and they'll eat them down there while the little kids, you know, will eat in the cafeteria. Yeah, when they're, you know, changing classes, they'll wear masks in the hallways, but when they're in their rooms, they don't have to wear masks. And a number of other things like that. Uh, some of the bigger school districts, well, we want you to want you to have the kids wearing masks, but we're not going to force it on you, on the kids if they don't want to, which, okay, that's fine. It's understandable. But while all this is going on, the teachers' unions are demanding all-out socialism. They're, you know, threatening strikes if we don't, you know, if we have to go back to work, we're going to strike. Well, then just yesterday, out of the blue, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo came out and said, in New York State, they will be opening the schools. However, it will still be up to local districts on when they open and what measures they implement and you know what's going to happen if you know COVID starts going around the school again. And you know, by all means, a fairly prudent, uh, fairly prudent way of handling it. But what does that mean for Donald Trump? Because, as I said, Donald Trump has been saying this for the last couple weeks: we need to get schools open, we need to get schools open. Well, with Donald Trump trying to get the schools open, um. When children go back to school, um, it'll free up parents who've, yes, they've been laid off because of COVID, but maybe they've been able to go back to work, but because they don't have child care, they can't. Well, now kids are back in school. Are these laid off parents going to be going back to work? And if that's the case, does that start you know, improving the unemployment numbers, maybe dropping it from the... 15% down to maybe a more manageable 9, 8, 7%. Still not great. Still not the just over 3% that it was just at the beginning of the year. But it's still enough that it could begin to turn the economy around. And Donald Trump can come out and tout, see, I got the schools open, people are getting back to work. And then it helps get the, uh, helps start to you know, re-jumpstart the economy. It'd be really nice if the story would actually load. But, um, you know, I've got a story pulled up about uh, Cuomo and the schools there in New York. Ah, here we go. Ah, from the bastion of conservative thought and reporting, the New York Times. Headline, New York schools can reopen, Cuomo says, in contrast with much of the U.S. In a long-awaited announcement, the governor says schools can welcome back students if the rate of infection in their communities remains low. Now, <laughs> Lady Di calls it the New York slimes. I agree. They're kind of, But like I said, there's the 
bastion of Christian report or Christian and conservative reporting. Uh, schools across New York can reopen for in-person instruction this fall, Governor Andrew Cuomo said Friday, solidifying New York's status as one of the few states in America that has a virus transmission rate low enough to bring children back into classrooms. Well, when half your population's been killed off because you're pumping all the, you know, sick elderly people into the nursing homes, yeah, really. It's hard to say you have a high transmission rate now when you killed off the most vulnerable people. That's neither here nor there. Uh, bringing children back to classrooms, not only in its rural communities, but also in the country's biggest city. Just a few months after New York became a global epicenter of the pandemic, the governor opened the door for millions of students across the state to return to classrooms, even as most public school students in the country will start the school start school year remotely. But Mr. Cuomo's announcement does not guarantee that the school buildings in the state's more than 700 local districts will actually reopen in the coming weeks. It is now up to local politicians and superintendents to decide whether to reopen and how to do so. The in-person reopening plans must also be approved by the state's education and health departments in the coming weeks. Which, I'm not saying... For political purposes, they might not approve these reopening plans. But I'm saying that it would not surprise me if schools' plans to reopen were not were not sufficient, did not meet their standard of, oh, well, um, I know this is what you're saying you're going to do, but are you actually going to be able to do it? So we're not going to approve this. And, like I said, as this goes on, I think this is going to give more governors, uh, specifically in some of these states that kind of got hit a little later on, uh, like Missouri got hit a little later on, uh, Florida is going through, uh, well, I say they were going through a bit of a spike because it started to taper off now too. And a lot faster than New York did earlier on when they were going through all their stuff. However, once you start getting these schools reopened and people are getting back to work, how does that... That's going to help Donald Trump because then now suddenly you have... Democrat leadership, when the form of Senator Chuck Schumer and Andrew Cuomo, who are just coming out and just telling the teachers' unions, uh, stuff it, go back to work. <laughs> Pardon me. And now they don't have a choice. It's like, whoa, our biggest ally, the Democrat governor, the, the senior Democrat senator, have come out against us? And it's really going to, I think it's going to really, it's going to stop a lot of that. Um, if, especially if someone like, say, Gavin Newsom in California, you know, if Gavin Newsom were to come out and say Californians are going to go back to school, I think that really just put a damper on the whole teacher union movement 
Especially, you know, when they're advocating for stuff that's not exactly safe for working conditions. Just saying. But, and also in a situation where Donald Trump's poll numbers are actually starting to turn around a little bit. Um... You know, in places like Michigan, uh, uh, the Detroit Free Press is saying that among some groups in Michigan, his polling is improving. I was looking at some of the poll numbers earlier today, and you know, there are still places where Donald Trump is not currently leading in the polls. But if you look at previous polling versus the most recent ones, he's been starting to trend up and close the gap. And not just, and yeah, they're not huge. Uh, it's not huge, but you know, he's picking up a point here, a point there. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is losing a point here and a point there. Uh, Lady Dice says, screw the polls. I understand. Um, Cause you really have to know how to read the polls to be able to, uh, make a whole lot of determination, especially if you if you're just looking at the summarized version uh real clear politics they they like to put out their uh the polling averages and again that is looking at a number of different polls and comparing how they stack up however if you skip past the uh the abbreviated well uh, Joe Biden is leading by five in Virginia, which he's not really leading by five in Virginia. He's leading by a lot more, but I'm just, you know, making an example. If you actually get past that, you start looking at sample size. Okay. Oh, ah, Joe Biden's leading by 20. And they've uh, interviewed 100 people. Ooh, that's not exactly a good poll. Um... But you start, as you start looking at more and more polls, and you start looking at, are they a likely voter? Are they a registered voter? Are they just an adult? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes in. Because I think the most accurate polling is that of, of likely voters. Because these are the people who are actually paying attention to what's going on. These are the ones who are going to go out and vote. And really, in a lot of these uh, swing states, these battleground states, uh, that's where Donald Trump's been starting to see uh, chipping away at the lead of Joe Biden amongst likely voters. Yeah, let's see. Kim says, yep, according to polls in 2016, Hillary would be our president. I sure think. Well, the polls weren't wrong. Uh, national polling was right within like two-tenths of a point is what she would she would lead by and again that's why we don't have a national election we have 50 individual elections and if as people start actually looking into the polling of these individual states they saw that oh well Hillary who wasn't visiting Wisconsin wasn't visiting Pennsylvania wasn't visiting Michigan because she thought she had them in the bag because of the amount of uh, 
Democrat Union voters in those states, Donald Trump led those states in the polls. However, you know, and right now, Donald Trump is starting to get out, and he's uh, started going back on TV a lot more. And this is an article from Bloomberg, yet another bastion of conservative thought and reporting. Uh, Trump campaign chief sees bounce after virus briefings revived. And this is an article from like two days ago. So it's not something I, you know, pulled out of a hat from two months ago. You know, it's fairly recent. Uh, Donald Trump's new campaign manager credited the revival of the president's daily briefings with narrowing the gap between him and Democratic nominee Joe Biden, saying that when the president speaks, quote, it's a needle mover, end quote. Uh, Bill Stepin took over the president's campaign manager in mid-July after Brad Parscale was demoted. At the time, Trump re-election efforts staggered under the pressure of the coronavirus pandemic, which has killed about 158,000 Americans and crashed the economy. Uh, not so much the, the pandemic itself, more like a lot of uh, governors who were overreacting, but that's neither. Neither hither nor yon. Uh, since Stepin stepped in, Trump has changed his public approach to the virus. He now calls wearing protective equipment an act of patriotism after dismissing the value for months. Again, Donald Trump wasn't exactly alone in dismissing the use of masks, seeing as how... For the first month and a half, all the leading medical experts, including the Surgeon General of the United States of America, said that masks do not work. There is no need to wear them. And now scientific study is showing that the masks do not work and there's no need to wear them other than to be a security blanket or a virtue signal, depending on how you look at it. How? Getting back into it, you know, you know, while he still downplays viruses' effects and argues with scientists about it, he sometimes takes a more somber tone. Um, most notably, he has revived the daily late afternoon briefings in which he reads positive updates about the pandemic, encourages states and schools to reopen, and takes questions from reporters. That step, Stepping said in a telephone interview with Bloomberg, is beginning to turn the president's campaign around. The Real Clear Politics average polls shows Biden currently leading Trump by 6.4%, down from a lead of 9 a few weeks ago. And again, and this goes to what I was saying, as people are becoming more confident in the president because he's stepping out saying, we need to do this, you know, the biggest way to open get the economy going is put kids in school because then parents aren't stuck at home watching the kids who are not in school, again, it will lower the unemployment numbers, it will put more people back to work, and it will hopefully be putting more money back into the economy. Unless you're one of these crazy Team Vogue subscribers who thinks the end of personal property would be the greatest thing ever. That is yet that is another story for another time when I actually have enough alcohol in my system to be able to process that entire article. But yeah, it's it's getting crazy. Um, as far as all that goes, 
there was weird noises going on in the background. I don't know what was going on there. It scared me. But the uh, but looking at all the stuff that's coming out, the the hydroxychloroquine battles, uh, where you have doctors who are saying this is awful, we can't use it. To other people going, wait, it's available over the counter in malaria torn countries. If it's so dangerous, why can't we use it there? Or other people saying it's dangerous because look at these these effects. And then you point out, this, okay, the study, which this is a study that uh, Dr. Simone Gold, she was part of the, uh, the Frontline Doctors, Frontline Workers Coalition or whatever it was. This is the video that got pulled off of YouTube. I have... There is some really crazy stuff going on in my audio here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but Dr. Simone Gold was pointing out that a study that the Journal of the American Medical Association is flaunting it. Oh, look how dangerous this is. So apparently my iPad is just randomly deciding it's going to try try playing <laughs> playing bump music. I don't know what's going on. It's lost its mind. Um the joys of live anything. But um you know she was pointing out this article that is or the study is being flaunted by JAMA, the journal of the American Medical Association, is uh it's so deadly, it's so deadly, it's so deadly. And she points out, I was like, no, the reason it's so deadly is because they're using toxic levels to figure out what the toxicity rate is. That's the reason why it's killing all these people. But, again, it's, more and more people are starting to realize that a lot of the stuff that, gov- that governors are doing, not necessarily... Donald Trump, which I want to get into uh, his working on becoming a, a the uh, the FDR that a lot of conservatives thought he was going to turn into in uh, just a few minutes uh, once I go to the break. But, you know, a lot of these, uh, oh, he's going to be a dictator. He's going to tell everyone how to do everything, blah, blah, blah. A lot of that was being done by Governors, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, oh my gosh, uh, out of Michigan. Like, got to the point where it's like, if you were around someone who had a fever, you're going to have a, you have to have a mandatory two-week quarantine. It's like, whoa, easy, slow your roll there. What if you're around someone who, Oh, they have strep throat. Oh, they got a sore, itchy throat. They got a fever. Uh, you know, that, so that's, that's, uh, those are symptoms of Corona. You gotta be, you gotta be, uh, gotta, gotta be quarantined. I mean, it's, that's insanity. <laughs> Lady Di. Uh, 
yeah, Paulus sucks. Glad Evers isn't like Whitmer. Yeah, um, I had issues, took up issue with uh, Mike Parsons here in Missouri. Um, when he went to the Stay Home Missouri thing. And, yeah, it's crazy what they're doing. Because I was absolutely was like, wait, are you're a Republican? How is a Republican acting like this? Where the state is the end-all, be-all. So, again, hopefully as things are beginning to, with students going back to school, which, you know, my... I'm so concerned about it that when my wife started teaching summer school at the beginning of the month, I should have bet money that you will complete the entire four weeks of summer school. Because she was convinced they'd go to school for like a couple weeks and then it'd be done. Well, it turns out they went the entire time. Uh, in her class, she had two kids who were out sick. It wasn't coronavirus, it was strep throat. And, you know, people are getting so worked up over that every little thing, it's the Rona. It's like, no, there's a kid, a couple kids with strep throat, which, you know, thank God it's a normal childhood illness. But, I don't know, it's crazy seeing the way all this has been politicized to the point where, you know, I'm a science denier, even though the science I'm looking at is running counter to the narrative that is actual anti-science. But what do I know? I'm just a dumb grunt. Anywho, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be back in just a minute. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. All right, so I was saying I'm going to get back into this with the uh, Donald Trump going uh, full statist and pulling the FDR type stuff. Um, so I was uh, kind of shocked when I saw a couple days ago that Trump was considering, you know, you know, next, you know, having his attorneys draw up the paperwork for the. Uh, for these executive orders, you know, for to you know, yeah, by by next week I'm gonna be doing this. Well, as of today, while I was doing my research and doing all the show prep and seeing that okay, well, he's looking at doing this, then it pops up on Breitbart 
Donald Trump to suspend payroll tax until end of 2020. While I'm not opposed to stopping taxation, even if, even if it's for a short time, again, it puts more money into the hands of employees because, believe it or not, that 12 point some odd percent that you pay in payroll as paid in payroll tax, half of it comes out of our paychecks. The other half is from our employers. So it puts money back into our checks, puts money back into the employer who can then, I don't know, hire more people, expand the business, you know, so it's, you know, more stable, blah, 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 blah. But he's doing it by executive fiat. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was lamenting a certain former president who commented that he had a pen and a phone. And he used said pen and phone to create uh, immigration legislation via executive fiat and giving us DACA. And I rightly said at the time, and I maintained the position, that that is bad. You cannot create cannot create policy out of whole cloth as the president. And now we have a Republican president creating tax policy out of whole cloth with a stroke of a pen. Uh, anyways, this is from from today, President Trump said Friday he would defer payroll tax till the end of the year using an executive order. The tax would continue to be deferred until the end of 2020, and the president said it would likely be retroactive from July 1st. So, oh, we might get a nice fat check on top of it because they're going to pay it back. He said that by the end of 2020, the payroll tax break could be extended. Quote, Hopefully, I'll be here to do the job, end quote, Trump said, hinting at the results of Election Day. Uh, President also said he would extend unemployment benefits, defer student loan payments and interest, and extend the eviction moratorium as well as an order requiring health insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions. Quote, if Democrats continue to hold this critical relief hostage, I will act under my authority as president to get Americans the relief they need, end quote. Okay, uh, this is where I have issues because you don't have the authority to decide who's paying taxes and who's not paying taxes. Taxes are levied by the Congress. Now, I do agree with Lady Di who is saying that the payroll tax does need to be eliminated. I agree with that 100 million bajillion percent. However... It's the way of going about doing it through executive fiat. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. With Donald Trump just going, oh, screw it, I'm going to sign, sign a piece of paper and make it happen. That's not the right way. Um, it, it's one of those, I got into a 
somewhat of a kerfuffle on the on the Twatterverse because I came out and said, "Huh, going to uh, ex- do this via executive order? Where have I heard that before?" And then I gave the President Obama quote, and apparently that's a false equivalency because how dare I compare that evil, fascist, racist Donald Trump? To the God King, to the Messiah, Barack Obama. It's like, well, because when I said Barack Obama was wrong for doing it then, I'm holding Donald Trump to the same standard that it's wrong to do it now. Because one of the big problems that Barack Obama had set up through creating policy and legislation via executive order is he's creating a precedent, a presidential precedent of creating policy or creating laws from the Oval Office. And that's just as wrong as, say, I don't know, the Supreme Court or any of the appellate courts, or any of the other federal courts, creating law from the bench. It's not their purview. Lady Dice says Congress is useless. I agree, they are useless. However, circumventing the law, because the law-writing body isn't doing what you want. I that's what FDR did. That's what dictators do. Oh, well, the uh this isn't you aren't going to do this? Fine, screw it, I'll do it myself. Consequences be damned. And that's where my problem is. Like I said, these are things some of these are things that I agree on. However, you know, insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions, that that exists in the Affordable Care Act. So why this? Unless, you know, maybe he has a, a, a backroom deal in place for after the election. If he's planning on, number one, winning the presidency, number two, holding the Senate, number three, winning the House, where he's actually worked a deal to, you know, repeal Obamacare then that one really doesn't apply it's kind of a you know yeah well we have this on the books but we're just going to be uh, we're just going to double down on it you know the unemployment benefits I'm not a huge fan of that one because again you're still incentivizing people to not work. Like when, uh, was it the first go around with all these, uh, the $600 extra every week in unemployment insurance and Bernie Sanders, you know, kind of, kind of laughed at the people scoffing. Oh, oh, what Is, is it bad to give people money when they need it or whatever it was he said, but still, I'm not a huge fan of that. 
deferring student loans and then telling banks that they can't evict people telling landlords that no 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 yes this is your property you own it but just because they can't pay your pay the bills and you're losing money and the bank is threatening to foreclose on this property you can't kick them out and get someone who can pay the rent in that's you know that's kind of a that's a huge uh, no-go there for me personally but but you know now, as the president said lawyers were drawing up executive orders. They could be signed by the end of the week. Again, uh, we'll see what goes on with this. Apparently, he is doing it. Uh, president also declined to specify whether or not he would extend the federal unemployment benefit check at the full $600 a week, which you know if he doesn't, the Democrats are going to use that as a as a bludgeon against him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Donald Trump doesn't like unemployed people. He cut their benefits. Which, that's part of the reason why he's doing this is because Democrats in Congress were trying to save face with their base by giving, by continuing all this money going out, whereas Republicans are like, uh, we need to roll some of this back. You know, the economy's starting to reopen. We don't need don't need quite so much uh so i think they had like like a trillion dollars less than what the democrats were were proposing in aid and the democrats are like well tell you what if you add a trillion dollars to your spending package we'll take a trillion dollars off of ours and then you know we'll we'll go We'll go to conference and we'll work it out together. It's like we're still spending the same damn amount of money, regardless of who is, uh, you know, paying which which plan we go with, because it's still, you know, four trillion dollars or whatever. Uh, Kim says that this year has been foobar, absolutely, completely snafu. <laughs> just print more money, whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much what they're going for is because they're uh they're uh yeah, we we don't have anything backing it up. It's literally just making just printing monopoly money at this point. I mean uh listening to uh Daniel Horowitz on another show earlier this week he straight up said, go ahead, pass the bill. Pass, go ahead, pass this bill. And then cut the payroll tax. If we're, if, we're go, if we're going to blow up the dollar and we're just going to, you know, make print this giant money bomb, let's do it. Let's just go, let's at least, you know, do something that's going to uh, make it, you know, improve production in the country. Which I'm not advocating Completely destroying the dollar in order to own the libs. That's, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible suggestion. But, yeah, it's just going through and trying to you know, look at all this stuff today. It's just been absolutely nuts. But 
I did find a story featuring an MSNBC producer having something called, oh, I don't know, um, self-awareness. All right, uh, and this is, you know, a Fox News story, so you know which side is coming from. Uh, MSNBC producer resigns from network with scathing leather. They block diversity of thought and amplify fringe voices. Ariana Peccary said that said important facts and studies about the coronavirus would get buried. A former MSNBC producer wrote a scathing open letter explaining why she recently left the cable news network. Quote, July 24th was my last day at MSNBC. I don't know what I want to do next exactly, but I simply couldn't stay there anymore. My colleagues are very smart people with good intentions. The problem is the job itself. It forces skilled journalists to make bad decisions on a daily basis. End quote. Uh, Peckery provided a number of examples why she wanted to leave the cable news network. It's, it's possible I'm more sensitive to the editorial process due to my background in public radio, where no decision I ever witnessed was predicated on how a topic or guest would rate. The longer I was at MSNBC, the more I saw such choices. It's practically baked into the editorial process, and those decisions affect news content every day. Likewise, it's taboo to discuss how the rating scheme distorts content, or it's simply taken for granted because everyone in the commercial broadcast news industry is doing the exact same thing. But behind closed doors, industry leaders will admit damage is being done. She then quoted someone she described as a successful and insightful TV veteran who said, quote, We are a cancer and there is no cure. But if you could find a cure... It would change the world, end quote. Uh, Peckery, who described herself as an integral member of the MSNBC primetime show The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell, used the cancer analogy to describe MSNBC's coverage of the coronavirus outbreak and the racial unrest in recent months, writing, The model blocks diversity of thought and content because the networks have incentive to amplify fringe voices and events at the expense of others all because it pumps up the ratings. This cancer risks human lives, even in the middle of a pandemic. The primary focus quickly became what Donald Trump was doing, poorly, to address the crisis, rather than the science itself. As new details become available about antibodies, a vaccine, or how COVID actually spreads, producers still want to focus on politics. Important facts or studies get buried. This cancer risks our democracy, and even in the middle of a presidential election, any discussion about the election usually focuses on Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, a repeat offense from 2016. Trump smothers out all other coverage. Also important is to ensure citizens can vote by mail this year, but I've watched that topic get ignored or killed numerous times. Uh, Peckery claimed that network producers would occasionally choose topics or stories regardless of how they would rate. Quote, but that is the exception, not the rule, end quote. At the industry structure and the desire to charge more money for commercials, in addition to ratings bonuses that top-tier decision-makers earn, prevent, network from, 
pursuing stories she believes the audiences should be informed about. Quote, I've even heard producers deny their role as journalists. A very capable senior producer once said, Our viewers don't really consider us the news. They come to us for comfort. End quote. Peckery wrote, Now, maybe we can't really change the inherently broken structure of broadcast news, but I know for certain that won't change unless we actually face it. In public, and at least, try to change it. She conducted conclude her letter by telling her readers to reach out to her, writing, more than ever, I'm craving a full and civil discourse. Uh, Barry Weiss, the former New York Times op-ed staff editor who recently resigned from the newspaper with her own letter, praised Peckery's integrity on social media. MSNBC did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. According to her personal site, Peckery joined MSNBC in 2013 as part of launching Alec Baldwin's short-lived show. She previously worked for NPR. But, yeah, and it's actually um, nice to start seeing that people who are on the left, they're not, I'm not going to say they're being red-pilled, because I don't think Barry Weiss, by any stretch of the imagination, has converted to conservatism. I think she's still definitely left of center, but I think with her leaving New York Times, she is less likely to write any kind of material that's going to be intentionally skewed so far to one side. Uh, I mentioned Alec Baldwin, and Kim was asking, saying, that's interesting. Is there a number we can call Ivan? Uh, no. No, there is not. Yet, but you know, in hearing all these, and uh, and this, uh, you know, uh, Ariana Peckery, you know, hearing her come out and say, "Yeah, um, when we can't run actual news stories because it doesn't jive with the narrative that you know the producers want to want to sell," I. That confirms a lot of what people said about, you know, NBC Universal for years. Lady Dice is fake news. Exactly. You know, when you're when you're burying, you know, studies during a pandemic because you know, own Donald Trump. I again, that's like what I was saying earlier about, you know, my little uh Twitter kerfuffle on uh, Donald Trump and his uh, executive orders, you know, excusing one, excusing Donald Trump doing it to own the left is just as bad as, you know, them not reporting something just to own Donald Trump. It's, it's dumb. D-U-M dumb. And it's sad that this is where we're at in the country where even the news media, you know, used, used to be, you know, you could turn on the news and you know there's going to be bias. I mean, and my iPad is making its own uh, editorial decision on what I should be doing. Apparently it's telling me I need to play a, I need to read a 
Florida Man story, but I don't have one pulled up. Stop telling me to play the Florida Man stuff. I will unplug this. Aha, take that. Of course, now I'll probably just play over speaker and then you'll hear it over the microphone anyways. Um, but, you know, used to be, you could turn on the news back in the 60s and 70s and this is Walter Cronkite bringing you all the news that is and was and ever will be. And then, um, you know, okay, Walter Cronkite, he's, he leans this way. So we, is kind of baked in as to where he, where he's going to fall on a story. But not to the point of out and out lies. I mean, when, you know, Walter Cronkite had to be the one to tell America that JFK had been assassinated, there was no way. Is there, is he, was he really assassinated? Is, is Cronkite pushing a narrative for a certain reason? What's going on here? That didn't exist even 20 years ago when, you know, CNN was jokingly referred to as the Clinton News Network. It's I was reminded of that earlier this week when Donald Trump did an interview on Fox News and Chris Cuomo called it state media. It's like, really? Your network was known as the Clinton News Network for eight years because, you know, Bill and Hillary could do no wrong, even, you know, in the middle of Whitewater and uh, Slick Willie and his uh, obsession with the uh, with a fat intern. But you know, you can still, for the most part, look at CNN. You can look at the early days of MSNBC and even Fox News and go, okay, well, there is definitely spin one way or the other. But, you know, it's not enough to where you have to really stop and analyze and figure out how far the spin actually goes. You just kind of, you know, take, you know, take it with a grain of salt and kind of, you kind of understand that, you know, Wolf Blitzer on CNN, he's got a certain viewpoint. Um, or uh, James Carville, you know, the Raging Cajun. When I was a kid... I used to love watching him and his wife go on TV and just bicker back and forth at each other on politics. It's like, it's like, how are y'all even married? Of course, then again, uh, Murphy Brown uh, kind of took a little took a little uh, leeway with that one by having her absolutely dominate him at dinner as a you know as a caricature caricature of their you know actual relationship. Yeah, that was a uh, that was yeah, that was all well and good back when you could make fun of people. Oh my God, you try to make fun of me when nowadays you're a racist, you're you know transphobe, homophobe, Islamophobe, xenophobe. I pick a random word and add phobe to it, and that's what you are. You made fun of that disabled person. You're an ableist. 
Wait, what? What? No. The dude had a really bad stutter. It was, it was making fun of the... Yeah, woke-phobe. Yes, Lady Die, we are all woke-phobes here. Unless you're woke. Then we love you. Really, really, we do. We love you. You're our best friend. But, you know, there was a, there was a time you could make fun of people and people didn't have thick skin. I mean... And, you know, all the stuff about Joe Biden these days, you know, he's kind of, you know, losing his mind. I found an old clip on Facebook of Robin Williams making fun of Joe Biden. It was great. Uh, it's like, ah, Ramblin' Joe. You never know what he's saying. It's a, you know, he's, he's, like, he's like the uncle who's on new meds and they haven't gotten the dosage right. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not the only one who saw that clip recently. Uh, Kim says that that clip was awesome. I agree. It was amazing. I, I, I think the only clip I've seen that's made me laugh harder since seeing that was someone put a clip up of is an interview somewhere overseas. And it's like, it, this clip summarizes... Everything that's going on in 2020 right now. There's this old man standing there on the side of the road. Reporter's got microphones in his face. And the old man's like, yeah, well, I was standing here smoking a cigarette. And all of a sudden, out of control car just, and he stops. And you see the microphone jerk back. Just in time to see a car come crashing by and flipping off into the ditch. And the, the old man's just like, Oh, kind of just like that, except it was yellow. That's what 2020s become. It's like the next big crazy thing happens, and it's like, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's that same. We just witnessed that same thing. It's hilarious. Or it doesn't even surprise us anymore. We're not even shocked. It's like, oh, first we had the murder hornets, and oh, oh, zombie cicadas, huh? Who knew? It doesn't even bother us anymore. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to think I'm going to wrap this show up for tonight. Again, thank you all for listening. If you're listening live, if you are listening on demand at the plethora of on-demand sites at RelentlessDaring.com, you can listen to listen to the show on demand on iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, let's see what else we got yeah it's the only ones I can think of for the time being currently working on trying to get Pandora trying to get on Pandora right now hopefully that will be a go haven't heard it's been it's been about a week and a half I haven't heard back from them yet they said it takes a while so we'll wait and see there uh, thank you all so much uh, if you want to support the show, you can always go to RelentlessDaring.com. At the top of the page, you will see a donate button. You can set up a one-time or a recurring donation and become one of the many, many miscreants, vandals, and ne'er-do-wells who keep this train wreck on the air. Um, you also go there and you can go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop and you can buy t-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, all the good stuff. Um, again, all this goes into keeping the show on the air and 
who knows, maybe the next investment will be sound pads that go on the wall so it's not quite so echoey in this room where I'm doing my recording right now. But, it, again, this is all stuff that it goes back in here to make it a better listening experience for you. And, again, thank you all so much for listening. It's my pleasure to do this every week. Thing. And, as always, stay relentless. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.